Frontline series. And, uh, and the series is aimed at equipping you and giving you tools to succeed in the workplace. Uh, we, we highlighted the fact that uh, most of your productive time is spent um, in, your, in your work environment. Um, and so Jesus is wanting us to be fruitful in these places also. We ought to be fruitful in our souls, in our spiritual lives. We ought to be diligent in our Bible reading, but we also ought to take those principles into our workplaces and into the things that God has called us to do. And, uh, and this is a, a journey that we're walking, and we're trusting that as you continue to labor with us and as you continue to walk with us and, you, and that you will stick with us through this series and that you will get the full picture of what God won is calling us to do and the vision that he's giving us for our workplaces, also that you'd be encouraged by the stories of those who are doing it, uh, those who are fighting the good fight, those who are taking ground. Um, and, and so last week we mentioned uh, that uh, we would have a entrepreneurial uh, focus this week and that uh, uh, after the service we'd also be running a uh, entrepreneur's workshop, so we'll be doing that upstairs after the service. Uh, and so... We, we had a sign-up, and, and a lot of you signed up. If you didn't sign up, please feel free to, to, to come and join us. It's going to be awesome, and hopefully get a chance to pray for one another, do some networking. Um, and then also, please note that next week, there'll be an opportunity for you to sign up also after the service. And, and, and one of the things that we want to deal with next week is, uh, is, is working conflict. So we, we have conflict all over, you know, uh, conflict surrounds us. And whether we are in relationship, we have to navigate through conflict. And if we're in the workplace, we have to navigate through conflict. And whether it's a, a, a peer conflict or, or a conflict that you have with a manager, or maybe you are a manager and you find that you're having conflict that with, with the team that you're supposed to be leading. And we want to speak into some of these things. Uh, and so we, we're going to have somebody sharing with us from that perspective next week, but we're also going to be running, uh, again, uh, workshops afterwards in terms of how do we navigate practically now, how do we navigate some of these areas, and how do we become empowered to uh, use those conflict situations to rise up and to succeed uh, in our workplaces. So please remember to sign up for that at the back after the service. But today, we have the awesome pleasure of having uh, Mr. Tamsanga Neta, who's going to be uh, speaking to us. I've known this man for a very long time, but I thought, uh, let me just read his bio, uh, because <laughs> that will probably speak uh, the best on his behalf. So, Tamsangai has worked in the private equity and corporate and project finance industry over the last decade, during which he worked on numerous transactions. His core competency is in evaluating and executing transactions through the secure, securing of equity finance, as well as senior and subordinate debt on behalf of the firm and its project partners. I'm just reading, I don't know what this, this is actually, I'm just, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna confess to you guys right now. <laughs> he previously uh, worked at the Networks Investments as a senior analyst. Networks is a Portuguese-based private equity firm, which is a subsidiary of Banco Espirito Santo focusing on energy transactions. Prior to that, he worked at the Development Bank of Southern Africa in the Investment Banking Division, where he was involved in multiple limited resource and debt transactions. 
He holds an honors degree in economics and a master's degree in development finance from the Stellenbosch Business School. Tamsanga is married for six years to his wife, Natasha, and they have two boys together, Mtulisi and Luandile. Above all of these things, Tamsanga loves Jesus. Help me welcome Tamsanga up as he gives us the word this morning. Wow. Uh, am I on? Not on? Yes. Um, when people read these things, you get freaked out. Like, who is that guy? Um, but yeah, uh, what uh, Pastor Derek failed to mention is uh, when I actually did get married, uh, he was standing next to me. Uh, uh, and when he got married, I was standing next to him. So uh, that is more important than the list of things he said there. But anyway, I think as Christians, it's a good idea to pray before we start, yeah? Uh, we'll start. Most high God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your goodness, your love, your mercy, your grace. Thank you that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think. And that, Lord, you are always good to us regardless of how we respond to you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Okay. So, today we're going to be speaking about uh, winning at work, primarily focusing on entrepreneurship. Um, I don't know if this works. Yes, no? Uh, that's a good idea. Put the thing on. There we go. Um, and my role is to speak to you about entrepreneurship. I'm going to speak through my journey and how God has taken me from being an employee to being an entrepreneur and the, and, and the struggles and the, and the ups and downs of that process. Um, I think it's also important to mention um, that as, as we work through these things as this process, we take the time to pray, read the scriptures, understand what it is that we do. Uh, we spend most of our lives working. So if you eat, sleep eight hours and you work eight hours, pretty much 33, 66% of your life, sorry, is spent eating or working. So you, you, you're sleeping or working, sorry. So a large portion of your time is dedicated to this process. So it's important for you to take the time to understand it, how we work and how we engage Jesus in this. Amen? Okay. Firstly, Let's start at the beginning. It's a good place to start, yeah? So what we, we, we have many textbook definitions of entrepreneurship and what it is and how it works and so on and so forth. But at the core of it, entrepreneurship is a creative act. It's one of God's traits to go and create something that doesn't exist. In this case, we're talking about a business, right? And if you read in Deuteronomy 8 verse 18, God specifically outlines to the children of Israel when they're now in the wilderness. And he says to them that don't forget me because I am the one who gives you the power to get wealth. So the ability to succeed as an entrepreneur or to even take on the responsibility or the mission of entrepreneurship is really as a result of God's goodness to us. He gives us that ability. Just like other people have the ability to sing, other people have the ability to run, other people have the ability to do mathematics amazingly. We as entrepreneurs, our ability to do this is because of God's grace, right? And our role in society largely is to build businesses that will do fundamentally two things. One, to fund the kingdom of God. Now, most people don't realize that the kingdom of God needs more than just our tithes and offerings, yeah? There are so many people out there who need to hear the gospel they're not going to hear it simply because of our tithes and offerings. 
they need to be more significant gifts in partnership with your tithes and offerings to equip our saints, our missions to go out there, right? And, and, and a lot of the time, see, the nice thing about tithing, I was thinking about this when Toby was speaking. The nice thing about tithing, it teaches you to live below your means. It's a very good tool. You live with 90%. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. God loves us, eh? Sheesh. Um, and the second role is that we contribute to society, right? We, we create jobs and we give people the means to serve others as well, right? So, so those are the two major roles of any entrepreneur or a biblical one at that. As a result, there's two guys we're going to look at today. The one guy is going to be David and the other guy is going to be Abraham. And I say guys, but they're not guys. They're really big guys in the Bible. So yeah, no disrespect to them. So we're going to use them to, to walk through my journey as an entrepreneur and let you know how they also went through what I have gone through and I'm going through as well. So here's the first step. The first step is you receive the promise. So you hear from God or you have a deep, deep burning to build something that doesn't exist. Right? Most people make the mistake of assuming that entrepreneurship is the only way to wealth. That is not true. Right? Building a business is different from creating wealth. They're not mutually exclusive, but you as an employee can create wealth for yourself and your family without ever having to leave your job and build a business. It's within your space. Right? A, a typical example, if there's a house that's worth a million and it's currently being auctioned for 500000 you call 10 of your friends or 9 of your friends, and you each put 50000 you buy the house, three months later you sell it for a million, you've made money. You didn't need to quit your job, you didn't need to start a business, you didn't need to register with CIPC. Amen? Right? So, so building a business is a mission. It's a very different thing from making money. You right there have the opportunity to create wealth where you sit. You don't need to leave your job to create wealth. And let's deal with this right now quickly, actually. Most of us, because of our uncomfortable work environments, think the only way to solve our problems is to leave our jobs and start something. Right? And actually, that's not what the case is. Here, clearly, you see with Abraham, he heard from God. God came, and it's odd. Like, he's a pagan guy, and God shows up randomly and says, leave. And, and he hears this, and God gives him a promise. You'll be the father of many nations. And that's the promise that caused him to leave. David was busy herding his sheep and goats and fighting lions and bears. And he gets there to his father's house, and he finds Samuel the prophet. And the prophet says, you are going to be king of Israel. And not just all of Israel. Right? So he received a promise. It's a mission. You receive a promise from God. There's an internal thing in your heart that drives you to say, I am called to build a business. Right? And it's important for us to understand the world we live in doesn't encourage us to be productive at work. What encourages is our bosses are micromanagers. They want to make sure you follow the line, you toe the line. As a result, it's not quality and it's not conducive for us to succeed. Right? And we then become frustrated because we want to do. Right? And as a result of that, we, we then jump out the ship. No. You've got to figure out and pray and trust God that what you're going through is good for you. You quitting your job is not a formula to you becoming wealthy. It's, it's, I need to be clear with that. 
that you leaving the discomfort of employment is not a result or will not result in you achieving what God has called you to do. What we need to do is recognize that there are some of us who are practically called to leave our job so we can build a business. It's a mission that God bestows upon us. It's, we receive a promise from God. And it's a serious thing. And most of us think that the missions that God gives us are seen as the world sees you. So when you see the Fortune 500 list and Bill Gates is on the top or Zuckerberg or whoever, we all want to be that. But what we forget is our reward is not on earth. That our reward in heaven, when we get to heaven, then it'll matter. The crowns will be distributed for real then. Right? And you're going to stand in front of God and what you want to hear from him is not, oh, my lovely billionaire. No. <laughs> right? What you want to hear from him is, well done, my good and faithful servant. Right? So let's not allow ourselves to be trapped in this thing, in the pursuit of being on the Fortune 500. But those of you who are called, God bless you, become billionaires, we love you. Right? But the rest of us who, who are, who, yes, and tithe. Uh, the rest of us who are not called to, to entrepreneurship, stick to the task that is before you. The second part is the leap of faith. Now, those of you who, have, who are entrepreneurs, understand this a lot more than most of us. It is a difficult thing to leave comfort, right? It's a difficult thing to imagine a scenario where you can't make your monthly payments. And for, you, for me as a man personally, it was a hard thing to live in a world where my wife is paying all the bills, right? And, and it, was, it was a difficult thing just to imagine myself sitting there and scratching my head as the 25th emerges and saying, oh my God, what is going to happen now? Right? And this leap of faith is God demanding you to trust him or not trust him. That's the bottom line. Right? And Ecclesiastes is clear that there's a season and there's a time for everything. Right? That time and chance happen to us all. There's a point in time where you have to take the step. And for Abraham, it was leaving his family. He had to practically pick up his wife and his family, and his household, and go. Abraham, where are you going? I don't know. Why are you going? God told me. Who is God? <laughs> Can you imagine? He was a pagan, so who is God? He must now explain, I'm going somewhere, because this guy you guys don't believe in, as my family members said, I must go. Wow. David rocks up. His brothers are scared. Everyone is hiding. There's this giant of a man on the other side of the mountain who's threatening them. He now has a chance. He now has to decide, is the call of God upon me legit or not? Is it real? Am I going to trust God or not? Right? And he takes that step. And he slaughters Goliath. And after doing what was right, the guy who's the king doesn't like him. Right? After actually doing what God said he should do. So at some point, you've got to take the leap of faith. You've got to decide, do I trust God or do I not? The third part, partnership. Now, this is very, very important. Right? I, my own personal experience over the last two months, I've been unraveling a business I was in with some partners because we fundamentally didn't see things the same. Right? Most people quote the verse in 2 Corinthians, do not be equally yoked and so on and so forth. Right? What, what, what people actually don't understand about that scripture is that a yoke, and those of you who have somewhat understanding of a rural background will get this. So 
when, when you have two cattle and they are pulling anything, a cart, a weight, a plow, you need to put the same type of cattle with the same size and the same weight. Why? Because if you don't, the one will end up pulling the weaker one as well as the cart. So what happens is that, that, that cow ends up becoming so weak, it can't be productive anymore. Right? So when the Bible says don't be equally, what it means is don't put yourself in a position where you're going to be compromised. Don't put yourself in that position. Right? And this is exactly what happened with Abraham. The Bible is clear in, in, in Genesis 12, right? It says, so Abraham departed and Lot went with him. Did Lot receive the promise? Was Lot told to leave? No. But there Abraham had a partner. Again, they leave from Egypt. Look at that. It says, Abraham went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all he had, and Lot with him. So suddenly, there's this guy, his nephew, is tagging along with Abraham, right? He has no understanding of the promise. He has not grasped it. He doesn't know what God has said to him. He doesn't understand what he's about to go through. And suddenly, they get, we get to a point where the two guys, this company of theirs has grown so big, Lot's, Lot's servants are fighting with Abraham's servants, and it's just a complicated situation. So Abraham has to now what? Dissolve the company. He has to say, look, Lot, you look, you take what you want. Look where you want, you go your way, I go my way. So Lot looks over, he sees all the water, and he says, oh, great. And then the Bible throws a little caveat there. It's a beautiful caveat. And it says, the area where Lot was, there was a city of Sodom in which there was much wickedness in the eyes of the Lord. Not just some much wickedness. Huh? Crazy caveat, right? So Lot, Lot used his own value system. He valued what he saw. Abraham valued the promise. He had been told, right? And this core division is what breaks up companies. That when you tie yourself and connect to people who don't share the same individual values as you, and I'm not talking about, oh my God, we will never agree. You will always have issues with partners. You will not agree all the time. But the principles by which you make decisions must be legit. You must know that no matter what happens, when this lady, when this guy signed the document with our letterhead, I can hold them accountable to the principles of Christ. Right? And, and, and it, 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 it's a difficult thing to unravel out of. Right? And so you find Abraham now has to make this decision. And after making that decision, God comes back to him. And what does God do? He reaffirms the promise. He says, look north, south, east, west. Everything you see, I'm giving to you and your descendants. Abraham had the promise. So whenever you get into a business partnership, be rest assured about the value system the people you're working with have. Because those value systems will make and or break you. There are many opportunities, but, and you know, before there's money, we're nice people, eh? Oh, we're nice, eh? Hey, keep a chore on me when there's no money. Suddenly, there's an opportunity to make 10 million, 20 million, 100 million. And the guy on the other side says, hey, if you guys slice me in 2 million, I'll give you this contract. Now, if you are in the boat with another person, if you are equally yoked with a weaker individual, who doesn't believe in what you believe in, what happens? You are compromised. You can't come back from that. It's a difficult thing. I mean, we had an incident once with a business partner of mine, and uh, 
we're trying to do this deal. This guy was taking too long. So we, in our intelligence, thought, let's just go around this guy, go to the core, the core center. Cut him out, went to the center. We said, look, we are the guys doing the deal. This is what's happening, right? And the guy on the other end was like, look, um, okay, let's continue. Then he contacted the guy we were working with, who we thought was slow, right? And uh, the guy we were working with got upset. So we then had to go to his house, apologize. No, we thought you are too slow. We tried to talk to you many times, blah, 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 back and forth. Core of it, he didn't believe what we believed, right? Funny enough, he then took offense, which is normal. If you cut me out, I'm going to be attacked, you know, uh, in studio one, two, three, four, and five, right? And his business partner was a guy who came to our church. So here I was in an office explaining how I cut another guy sitting across another guy who comes to my church. Now imagine that testimony. Right? So now I had to sit there and fess up, come to the fore, explain myself, take responsibility. I made a wrong decision and I'm sorry. Right? Simply because I made a wrong partnership. Put myself in a compromised position. And now even put myself in a position where someone could question my love for Jesus. Right? So this is a key, key, key component. Be careful who you partner with. Rather, be, rather make friends out of business partners than business partners out of friends. Perseverance. This is a key component to this journey. Because what you'll find is the valley of sorrows is very deep. It's a very deep valley. Right? So when David wrote, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he wasn't joking. It's a very deep valley. Right? Both these gentlemen suffered a lot. Abraham, think about this. This guy, God comes and changes his name. And for 10 years, his name was father of many nations. No children. Can you imagine that? You're walking into a room and every time, hey, father of many nations, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? No children. 10 years of perseverance. Right? David was promised to become king. He spent his years running away from Saul, right, to the point where he actually had to act mad once to save his skin. The Bible says he, he, he put out so much saliva, it drained on his beard. That's how crazy he had to act. He had to walk through that valley. And the key part about this is that when you walk through entrepreneurship, there will be dark days. There will be many dark days, Right? Um, we, had a, we had a scenario where we took a loan from a, a partner to pay off some bills of ours. And on the other end, expecting an invoice. Invoice didn't come through. Right? So now we owed this individual money. So option one, keep quiet, don't answer your phone. Right? <laughs> option two, answer your phone, give excuses. We decided to take option three. We called him to the office sat him down, took him through our debtor's book. These are the people who owe us money. This is when we expect the money. This is when we expect to pay you. We had agreed that we'd pay you on this date. We don't have the money. Please give us a break. He said, because of the way you've behaved, pay me when you can. I was like, wow. Right? And, and, and that shows you the grace of God, right? And you be, being willing to go through the difficulty of running a business being willing to take the hits, 
being willing to understand that there will be dark days. You've got to go through, right? And the first time I, I, I tried entrepreneurship, it got tough and I jumped out and I went back to work. And the lesson I learned there is that, and I've got friends with Jim, clearly I don't, but I have friends with Jim, and, and the, they've taught me many times that the key element to growing your body is the resistance, learning how to press through the painful part of working out. It gives you a skill and a tenacity, and I lost that, right? And it's important to be able to go through the difficult times. Understand that it will be difficult. Jesus even says it. Right? If a man wants to build a house, what must he first do? Count the cost. And that scripture even goes further to say, if you don't finish it, people will laugh at you. Right? And, and what, what is he basically saying? Understand what you're getting yourself into. Understand that it won't be a smooth ride. Whether it's Christianity, whether it's entrepreneurship, whether it's marriage, business, whatever else you think about, there won't be a smooth ride. You've got to persevere. And these two men faced significant challenges. And they still held on to the promise and persevered. This scripture in Romans kept, kept me alive a lot, especially through varsity. Right? And not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. So your ability to go through a difficult situation is because you can persevere. Because that perseverance drives hope. And, the la and I think this is the last one. <laughs> hope. A constant belief that the thing that God said to you will come to pass. That there is an expected end. Every day as you chase clients, as you chase business, as people shut you down. Because you know how it is when you're starting out. When you used to work, it was great. Because wherever you're working, R&B, whatever, those guys have a brand name. They've done the hard yards. So when you walk into the room and I say, I'm Tom Sanglander from R&B, everyone's like, hey, right? When you now just come in and I'm Tom Sanglander from XYZ, what have you done? Show us your track record. Why should we trust you? Why should we give you this job? Who are you, in fact? <laughs> right? And, and these are the challenges you face. And if you do not believe that God has put together an expected end for you, that your role, what he promised you when you started this business, what he promised you when you took the leap of faith, what he promised you when you're in the valley, and what he's promising you now will come to pass, you will not succeed as an entrepreneur. You've got to, to believe. And the beautiful thing about both these guys, they, they both achieved their goals, and they also received significant wealth, right? According to God's blessing. And the way they behaved with their wealth was amazing. David, he put a significant portion of his wealth toward building the temple. So the temple that Solomon built, significant portions of the gold, silver, and ornaments that were in there came from David. Right? And that's our role as entrepreneurs. That there's significant elements of the kingdom of God that come from our efforts. Right? And we've got to believe that this is the expected end. In conclusion, the role of entrepreneurs is vital to society. And we, like God, take part in creating something new. We don't always succeed, <laughs> but
but the process is important to delivering value to society. And if done right, if we work, we do our roles correctly, we lead our businesses well, and we treat people fairly. One of the biggest failings on business that I found is that people don't treat employees fairly. Right? And I've, I have I've had, has anyone ever watched the movie Horrible Bosses? That was me. I, I had two very horrible bosses. And at the time when I was going through this, my wife would be, would be saying to me, don't worry, it's part of the process. Don't give up. Don't give in. But you know that Sunday depression. There's a depression that comes, class six. You know, it hits you like at six. You're like, hey, I must go back to that place. Right? And that's largely because we as entrepreneurs who build businesses don't create quality environments for our employees. Right? We have to. It's our responsibility. We must allow people to be at home with their children when it's time for sports day. We must allow our mothers to go home for six months for maternity leave. I don't understand how you don't want a healthy, happy mother in your workplace. It makes no sense. Right? But these things don't exist. What happens is we close up, we govern by our hammer, and we lose sight of what's important. Our role is to add value to society. And if God blesses us with money, great. And I won't lie, I want it. But it's what's important is that what I do with my business adds value to society. People working for me, the families of the people who work for me, must feel like they are working for someone who looks like Jesus. Right? And if I fail at that, then I failed at my role. Right? And, and like all people, we, we, we want to stand before our God, want to stand before our maker at the end of our lives, and be able to give a good account of ourselves. And here in Genesis 21, we find Abraham is talking to a king, Abimelech. And Abraham has dwelt in his land, and just FYI, Abraham is probably the first billionaire in the Bible. But yeah, that's a story for another day. Um, and, and he's standing across Abimelech, and Abimelech is like, hey, I can see you've got some clout now. I can see you've got a couple of thousand sheep, donkeys, goat. I mean, Abraham was a G, yo. Lot, Lot was in trouble. He raised 300 of his own men, 300 guys. Like, I'm like, and these are fighting men. I'm like, this guy, he could raise up an army. Ah, he was a G. But anyway, um, <laughs> and, and he says to him, please don't swear with me falsely. In other words, Abraham had gone to a stage where he was so f- powerful that he impacted Abimelech's kingdom. So Abimelech approaches him and says, look, deal with me properly. I've seen, and what's important, he says, I see that God is with you. This is a pagan king. Say, I see that God is with you. Don't deal with me falsely. And this is the position we all must dream of as entrepreneurs. Where the leaders in our society come to us and say, hey, we see your business is doing things here. Please, do things right. Do things right. Don't treat our people, our community, our citizens badly. Do things right in the land that you dwell in. Right? And uh, in conclusion, firstly, I've always wondered how this preacher's water tastes, so... I've got, my, I've, got, I've got my first shot today. <laughs> um, se- se- secondly, our, our role as human beings, all of us, is to strive 
to be in the position that at the end, the end of our lives, we stand before our maker and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. See, the key to that is, it's one thing to be good. You can be good today, that's great. But God wants you to not only just be good, but to be faithful. Be good continuously, consistently. Right? And the Bible says, many will come to that day and say, Lord, we came to a hospital. Oh, we went to the prisons. You go to the prisons once, eh? You went to hospital once, eh? People don't get sick regularly. Like every day you can go to hospitals to see one person. Right? What's important is, did you treat people right all the time? Were you reflecting Christ-like character during the course of your life? And yes, we will fall, we will fail, and we will repent. But well done, my good and faithful servant. And I hope to say away when that happens. Thank you very much.